your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 362 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And the Seattle Kraken are doing a fantastic job of keeping things in-house. It's day two of speculation, and I have no idea which way the Seattle Kraken are going to go when they announce their roster tomorrow night. So we're going to keep the focus on the NHL draft today. Bob McKenzie's final rankings came out, and it's perfect timing. We get Bobby Mack's final opinion when we do our top 10. We had Craig Button's final rankings come out at the start of our first round when we were right at pick 31. But today, we hit right where the Sens pick. We've got 11, 10, 9, and 8, and there are three five-star guys for me. I'll leave it the surprise at who isn't. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, July 20th. We are exactly three days away from the NHL draft of Pilsy. Now the Bob father has spoken with Bobby Mack's final rankings out. Oh man, now you know it's getting real when Bobby Margarita has taken the time from his cottage to get the final rankings in. And yeah, there's a, I will definitely say, Ross, there are some surprises for me in this. And uh, we all know Bobby Mack does his rankings a little different than some of the other scouting entities we look at. And there's a couple players um, that we're going to be talking about today that are in his top five. So that's interesting for me for sure. Hey, one step further than that, a player moved up enough in the top five that we have a new number one for our rankings. I've updated our final 10 with Bob McKenzie's final. Let's go through his top five. And silly enough, there's a tie in there, but that's what happens when you talk to scouts. He pulls the scouts and then he has his ranking system through then. And we've got a tie for fourth on the list, but number one, Owen Power, number two, Maddie Beneers, both out of the University of Michigan. And then with pick three, he went with the big defenseman, Simon Edmondson. I think teams are going to be enamored with the size and the skating ability. And how about this for the tie? William Eklund and Mason McTavish. So that pretty much rounds out his top five. Going down to where the Sens pick at 10, it's Chaz Lucius. How would you like if this was a mock draft instead of a ranking? Would you be content with Lucius to Ottawa at 10? Well, I'll save some for the profile, but right off the bat, yeah, I would. Like anytime you can get arguably the best shooter in the draft. And that's that's what I'm looking for, Ross. I'm looking for if the Sens are going with the forward, I want someone who can put the puck in the net with ease. And Chaz Lucius, that's a guy that for sure is able to do that. Another guy who can put the puck in the net is Logan Stan Coven. We profiled him a little while ago. Had Bobby Mack's final rankings been out, he would have been much higher. He jumped up on Mar- McKenzie's rankings from 45 all the way up to 26. So this is a guy you can now almost certainly say 
will go in the first round, the five foot eight four, but he brings a whole package. McKenzie also has both goalies in the top 15, where he has Jesper Wallstead slightly ahead of Sebastian Costa with Coronado and Lysal right in between them. So uh, this is really an, a look into what the teams are thinking. And his list, I would argue, is the most important one to look at leading up to the draft. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone has like the intel that Bobby Mack has gathered over decades of being the top insider in the NHL. So definitely when he puts his rankings out, there's a lot of weight there because because like like we say, like this is more showing what the league thinks of these players, not just uh, guys ranked based on certain statistic models and things like that. You know what made me a little upset, though? My first five-star guy, and we had him at 55 on our ranking, Bob McKenzie moved Tyler Boucher up from 40 to 28 on his list. So I think he might be even gone towards the end of the first round. Brings that physicality, all that mean package, and with NHL bloodline, so you know that he would have been of interest to the Sens. I still hope they find a way to get him even if it's with one of those second round picks, because I love his physical game is off the puck play. And even though he's coming off a knee injury, I think that Tyler Boucher is going to be a stud at the next level. Maybe not a top six guy, but a guy who has a high floor and you can expect him to play NHL games. But those are the fun little nuggets that we found when we were looking through Bob McKenzie's rankings. I think we're going to run to our Sen central draft rankings here right off the bat, because man, oh man, do we have, a foursome for the ages today. Three of them, as I mentioned off the top, five-star guys for me. If the Sens took these guys at 10, I would be absolutely ecstatic. So that being said, before we get to those rankings, let's tell you about our friends at Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business. They've been serving auto parts to customers online, and they've done it for 20 years. They're ahead of their time doing this online. Go to rockauto.com, shop for auto and body parts, from hundreds of manufacturers, they have everything you need. And whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. That's the best part. So let's stay on that for a sec. The prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. It's time for everybody's favorite rhetorical question. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Just don't do it. Be smart. Go to rockauto.com right now and you can see all the parts available for your car or truck. All we ask is that you put locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? That way they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked on, sent you. And make sure you're locked on, Senators, wherever you download your podcast, your number one home, leading up to the NHL draft with a Sens angle. We're here every single day. You can follow us on Twitter for up-to-the-minute analysis at Sens Central, lockedon.senators on Instagram. Pilsy, a couple things before we get to our draft rankings. Logan Mayu. Now, this story is uh, not a great one. It's a lesson to, to everyone out there that consent is key in all aspects. So the backstory is he was loaned over to Sweden playing in a junior league there, and he's from the London Knights, and he's was ranked 35th on Bob McKenzie's list. But 
during a consensual sexual encounter, he took photos and those weren't consensual and they got out through his teammates and there's been a legal proceedings about it. Really kind of creepy stuff. You don't like to see it at all. And, you know, everyone on Twitter has their opinion that he's got to be canceled forever. And I'm not putting this in the same category as Mitch Miller from last year. who was just straight up racist, which has absolutely neither of these things have any place in our society. But Logan May understands this guy. He needs some time to learn Pilsy. So um, he's deferred from the draft. He's asked teams not to select him this weekend. Yeah, I mean, an interesting choice. And uh, I, th- I think hopefully it's coming from the right place. Like hopefully he's actually doing this to work on himself and try to be a better person growing forward. And I mean, these are young kids. So a, a year difference can make a massive difference with the proper kind of education and guidance. So hopefully this turns out good for him. And uh, I, th- I think it's probably best that he deferred just to kind of get himself out of the spotlight a little and to actually focus on trying to learn what he did wrong and how he can be better in the future. So hopefully it, this is about him as a person, not just him as a hockey prospect trying to up his draft value or draft capital and stuff like that. So we'll see how it plays out and uh, hopefully things are looking better for him next year. Well said. And I want to transition from a, a story that we don't like to report to one that we do stick taps are in order for Luke Prokop the defenseman for the Calgary Hitmen, who's been drafted by the Nashville Predators. He came out, he's living his truth. He's, uh, he came out, said that he's gay, and we just want to lend our support for him, Pilsy. Great to see that now we're seeing younger athletes that are open and honest with themselves, and you don't ever want to see people hiding behind who they truly are. So, yeah, definitely some stick taps for Luke Frokop. Yeah, for sure, stick taps. And I mean, from what I've seen, it's been overwhelmingly positive support, right? Like uh, Matt Duchesne made a really nice video supporting him. I think, you know, this is is a time where these kinds of things need to be accepted in the hockey world and they should be accepted. And it seems like they are being accepted. So good for him. And I'm, I'm glad that this is kind of one step closer to everyone being accepted into the game of hockey and no one feeling like they need to hide who they are because there's no reason for that. There's, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. There's a place for everyone in this game. And I think we're, we're making strides in the right direction. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well said again. I just throw it to you and you nail it right out of the park both times, Pelsey. But we've got one more defenseman to talk about. Not quite yet, but let's hit our Send Central draft rankings. Coming in at 11th with an average rank of 13.1. We've been waiting a long time for this one, Pelsey. Shaz Lucius going to the University of Michigan, being drafted out of the U.S. National Team Development Program. Well, first off, if King Kairos is listening to this at King Kairos on Twitter, this is the moment you've been waiting for. I feel like anytime we discuss any other prospect, he's like, what about Chaz Lucius? What about Chaz Lucius? So let's talk about Chaz Lucius. And and there's a reason to be excited about this guy. Like I said earlier, probably the best shot in the entire draft. And, and that's saying something because there's some good shooters. We talked about Cole Sillinger yesterday. We're going to get to another great shooter in today's show, but I think it was tough for Lucius because he missed the start of the season with a knee injury. And man, do I feel bad for kids that get hurt in their draft year because you really miss a lot of opportunities. But I think scouts can still see what he's able to do in a small sample size. We're talking 13 goals and five assists in 12 games. So that's not bad at all. Like I said, great shot, quick release. And the thing with a great shot 
you need to have good hockey IQ and positioning. Otherwise, that shot's not going to be able to be utilized. So he has high hockey IQ. He Every goal scorer usually knows how to get into those soft spots so that they can get open to rip that puck. And Lucius is definitely one of those guys. Tough, tough year for him, right? Injury-wise, he had surgery early on. He had a bone lesion in his, in his knee. And so that knocked out the first two-thirds of his season. He gets back in mid-February. What does he do? 13 goals in 13 games. Is that good? I'd say so. And then you're waiting for that crowning moment of his year, just like Mason McTavish had at the World Under-18s. But right before the deadline to name the roster, he had a fever. And in a COVID world, it was taken with the utmost caution. So he was unable to go to the World Under-18s, where I believe he would have filled the net and it would have just supplanted him into that top 10 even more. So if he does slip in this draft, is the reason just because scouts haven't seen enough of him? I mean, like you could say that, but I really do think, like I said, that the scouts, even with the small sample size, they've kind of accurately ranked him. Like I think right around... Uh, we've got him at number 11. This is the range where I think it's appropriate for him because yes, he does have that shot, but there are some hindering things like his, his skating is not that strong and he's not able to carry the puck in transition. Uh, I think this is a guy who I talk about it all the time. My ideal line has a playmaker, a grinder and a shooter. If he can be paired with a playmaker and a grinder so that he has someone to get him the puck when he's in that perfect area to shoot it, and he's got a grinder to go into the puck and to win those puck battles and get him the the puck in the ozone, then I think he's a guy that can have a lot of success. So I think Chaz Lucius is a guy that I definitely like. And while he doesn't have the skating abilities, I would hope, man, does this kid have hands. Like if he can't blow by a defender with speed, he could just deke right through him, which, which can work more often than not. And his hockey IQ, we have to highlight as well. This guy thinks the game extremely well, finding soft areas in the offensive zone, underrated playmaker as well. This guy was making unbelievable passes in the highlights that I was watching from him. And not only that, but when he is shooting, a lot of guys have hard shots or a lot of guys are able to just, you know, curl and drag, but he can get his shot off from absolutely anywhere. Even if he has to go through feet, if he has to like pull it closer to his feet, he can launch it from any angle. And as a source told Scott Wheeler, he said that's the makings of an elite goal scorer. Guys who can score in so many different ways. And that's what Lucius has. It's a very key attribute. And we talk about what's your separating quality. Well, I think in a game where scoring more goals allows you to win the game, having a shot like Chaz Lucius can vault him that high up a draft board and like indirectly too it helps open up ice for his teammates because guys know oh man here comes lucius up the wing if we give him space in the lane to just rip one he could beat our goalie cleanly and there's an easy goal so what they tend to do is they tend to draw towards him and maybe have two guys try to block that shooting lane and then that opens up the ice for his teammates. And like you said, he's a good passer as well. So then he just dishes it over to his teammate for a better opportunity. So that's what makes this guy so dangerous is you're you're not able to fully cheat and try to block his elite shot because he'll use other options. Whereas some other shoot first guys, they'll be like, okay, there's maybe two guys in the lane, but maybe I can squeak it through his, his legs or maybe I can get it under his stick. And more often than not, it ends up getting tipped or blocked or just ends up in the corner. So Chaz Lucius has a little bit more hockey IQ where he can utilize that to his advantage. So definitely this is someone that I think the Sen should target. He probably will be available at 10. I think 
the one thing that hinders me though, Ross, is he's one of these guys and Scott Wheeler talked about it. Yes, he's playing center now, but it's very likely he's going to shift to the wing when he gets up to higher pro levels. What about consistency? That's the main reason why the elite prospects draft guide has him all the way down at 17th. Sometimes saying that his work rate on each shift where there are a few half efforts, defensive zone flybys. Is it something that he needs to work on in his game, being a bit more responsible defensively? And do you believe he could be an NHL centerman or does he project best on the wing? Yeah, the consistency might be an issue. And I, I feel like that's often the, the tale for snipers, right? Like I'm not comparing him to this player, but think of a guy like Mike Hoffman, right? Mike Hoffman, elite shot, like one of the best in the league, but when he doesn't have the puck and when his team or line mates aren't clicking offensively, he's kind of invisible and coaches can have a tendency to be like, well, you don't got it tonight. I'm putting you on the fourth line mm. because you're just, you're not producing offensively and you're, you're a liability playing with, defensively. You're playing with Tom Pyatt. Yeah. The shootout specialist is who you're going to be on the ice five on five with have fun with that. So that's one area where, yeah, Lucius, I think maybe needs to work on his play away from the puck, just so that when, when the puck shifts the other way, he's not a complete liability. And I do think uh, he does project better as a winger than a center moving forward here. So I gave him four and a half stars out of five, simply for the fact I'm looking for that true centerman. And I think Chaz Lucius has, does have probably the best shot in the draft, which is what I'm looking for. And I want the Sens to swing on some offensive upside. And that would be the perfect style of pick here. So four and a half stars out of five for Chaz Lucius. I just, I, I need that center position, Ross. I need it. That's fair. However, if a, if a center is going to go to the wing, I do like that Chaz Lucius is a right shot. And we know Ottawa's depth is a little thinner at right wing than it is at left wing. But that wouldn't deter me from this next player we're about to profile. But before we get to that, I do want to mention Dauber Prospects, their player comparable for him was Tyler Toffoli. And I really like that. And I think that if he can develop into a Tyler Toffoli type, then he's going to make an NHL GM very happy. Scott Wheeler had him as high as eight on his list. McKean's had him at ninth. And Prodman actually had him at seven. That's snuck in there under the radar. And then Bob McKenzie at 10 in his final rankings. Button at 16, Ferrari and the EP draft guide at 17 and scouting all the way down at 21. But that averages out to 13.1 and he comes in at 11 on our Send Central draft ranking. Okay, now is for real the moment we've all been waiting for at 10. The 10th pick in our Send Central draft rankings with an average of 9.5. So that's a pretty big discrepancy in the average between 10 and 11, 9.5 all the way to 13.1. But coming in at 10 is Kent Johnson from the University of Michigan. And you're like, how is he ranked 10? Like Scott Wheeler has him at two. Well, the scouts aren't all sold on him. But Pilsy, what can you tell us about this video game player? Yeah, this has got to be the most fun player to watch in the draft. Like, I, I'm so jealous uh, that he wasn't with Nodak. Like, watching him with Michigan, it was just one of those things where you're like, man, this kid is a highlight reel, and he can just have his way at the college level. Like, Tony Ferrari often says, like you said, he's a cheat code in a video game. He's like, in NHL 2021, 20, you go to create a player, and you put stick handling and uh, a puck handling, all those kinds of things at 99. Like, you just jack it all the way up, and he's just able to do magic out there, and with that good hands comes a lot of points. Now, 
this in 2019, 2020, he was in the BCHL with the Trail Smoke Eaters. I, I watched a game there when I was over in BC a couple of years ago. Just great old classic barn and the Trail Smoke Eaters are just a, such a funny name. But there's no jokes when it comes to his points. 52 games, Ross. 101 points you're looking at a like pretty much a two point per game pace and what a bump up from the year before 2018 2019 in 57 games he had 46 points which is still respectable but 101 points is wild then let's go to his season last year with michigan like i said i was so jealous he was able to play there because he lit it up there as well in 26 games he had 27 points this is a guy who i think He's so much fun to watch, but the real issue is, yeah, you can do it at this level, but what happens when you get to the pros and you're trying to spin a rama uh, through the legs deep through a defenseman in the neutral zone and he just pokes it away and it's a turnover, not a highlight reel. And instead of getting a goal that uh, goes on sports center top 10, you're sitting on the bench for the rest of the game. So that's an area where I'm very concerned about Kent Johnson. I love the creativity, though. I want to read you this quote from Elite Prospects lead scout David St. Louis in a February game report. He said, Johnson sends false information to defenders with his body and sticks on every single touch, not with his feet, which is a bit of a problem, but the rest of his fakes are there. Head, shoulders, two feet, skate fakes, open, close, blade, fake passes, fake shots. This guy is going to not only beat you, but he's going to embarrass you at the same time. And I think that that is such a solid quality for him to have. And I think that he's going to go back to school maybe for even two more years. But the way that his trajectory is going, we could see an Elias Patterson type player. Is that a fair comparison? I mean, if he hits the high end of what his projection could be. Yeah, that is a fair comparison, Ross. And former Sen, Sen's legend, Bill McCult, one of his coaches in Michigan, he's the one that made that comparison because, like you said, the, his ability to fake out opponents, like he's so elusive and he's so slippery is what uh, Bill McCult used to describe him. I love that slippery aspect. And it's, it's just tough, Ross, because this is the kind of home run swing where – there's a lot of upside. I would say kind of a, a low floor, but a high ceiling. You're not sure how he's going to project at an NHL level. And you you really need to have him playing with the right line mates because you need, I think he needs someone that's going to be defensively responsible. Like not, not full send Philip to no type, but someone with some two way ability, because there's going to be times where Kent Johnson's creativity, he's going to run out of talent and a guy like Victor Hedman is just going to poke it away and it's going to turn over the other way. So you need a centerman that's going to be more responsible and be able to make up for those mistakes when the puck does turn the other way. But let's hope that that upside hits and he's able to do it at the NHL level because if he can pull off some of the stuff he's doing in college in the pros, it's going to be an absolute slam dunk pick for an NHL team, especially on the power play. Like with the man advantage, I see him breaking into the zone with ease. He's a guy who needs to put on some weight though. He's listed at 167 yeah. pounds and he's six foot one and one of the oldest players in the draft. He's going to be 19 in October. So definitely one of the oldest guys. And that being said, I think that, there's a, still so much more runway for him because he has the smarts. He has the, the skill His skating. I mean, in straight lines, sure. You can always work on that, but his edge work is absolutely unbelievable. 
I just want to see him next year. And maybe this is kind of a detriment to what we're taking away from his best attribute, but I'd like to see him simplify a little bit more and just try to make the easy plays. And we're going to profile a guy who does that unbelievably simplifying his game coming up in the, in the second half of our rankings today. But what you want is you want to harness that creativity without taking it away. So I think that a team's going to see it and jump at it. But at the same time, I could see him falling in the draft for those other reasons that we mentioned. So I'm really interested because Wheeler has him at two, Pronman at six, McKenzie and Scouching at nine, EP draft guide at 10, and then Ferrari at 11, and then Button at 14 and McKean's at 15. Like if he's on the board at 14, that is the most absolute slam dunk, take it to the bank, cash your money right away type pick. So I'm just excited to see him. He's a Vancouver native, so you got to think them picking at nine. Could be a little something there. But if he is on the board at 10, Pilsy, what's your send stars for this player? I gave him four and a half stars out of five. Uh, Simply, I'm worried a little bit about him projecting at an NHL level. And like I said, I I don't think he's going to be a centerman. I think he's going to stay on the wing like he was in Michigan. So that's a little tough for me. But I want the Sens to go for offensive upside. And there's... Not many players with more offensive upside opportunity than Kent Johnson. So if they did have the chance to select him, I would be pretty excited about that because I can't like if he was able to pull off some of these moves in a Sens uniform, like he's he's getting people out of their seats. Like you're sitting down in your seat, you're waiting to celebrate. Boom, he pulls off a highlight reel goal and the CTC is going wild. I can see it right now, Ross. So the thing is, we mentioned with Chaz Lucius being a right shot center who could move to right wing. Kent Johnson is a left shot, so maybe he's more suited for the left side. And then you look, and the Sens' depth on left wing is all so young and so talented when it comes to Stutzla, Kachuk, Formanton, and all those types of players. Robbie Arventi potentially coming up uh, throughout the system. So I think that might give me pause, but not change my opinion of this player. He's too electric and a human highlight reel. So I would love for the sense to take him. I got him at five stars. I'm giving him out generously here, but these players all deserve it. I think after a player we're going to get to, this is my second best option for Ottawa at number 10 is Kent Johnson. Okay, Pilsy, before we get to nine and eight, I think you've got a word from our friends at Bet Online. Yeah, Ross, we're talking about betting on a high upside for some of these prospects. Well, you can bet on some high upside on some underdogs if you go to betonline.ag. Guys, just because it's the offseason doesn't mean you need to sit on the sidelines. Get in on the action. There's a bunch of NHL teams getting in on the action trade-wise, but you can get in on the action in other sports. I had a nice parlay that hit in the basketball game a little while ago, so I'm going to stick with basketball, but... Make sure if you're making any sort of online sports betting, you're going to the right place and the place that Ross trusts, that I trust, the exclusive partner of the Locked On Podcast Network, it's betonline.ag. You can sign up today with a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code. You know we're going to hook you guys up. It's locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. So how that works is you put 100 bucks in and you're going to get $50 for free in free play money, which means you got to win it to earn it. But you're going to have the opportunity to do that. And you can do that through parlays and I hit on my basketball parlay last time. So we're going to try it again here. I really think that, you know, the Phoenix Suns, been a fun story. Thanks for coming out, guys. Suns and four guy. That was electric. But I just think Giannis is ready to take this thing home. The Milwaukee Bucks are going to close this out tonight. 
I'm taking their money line at minus 205. And then just with basketball games, with the championship games, I feel like it's always a blowout. Like basketball players, they don't have the heart of hockey players. They're not going to the final whistle. If they're down by 10 in the final two minutes, they'll just let it run away. So I think they might be a little bit of a blowout here. Milwaukee might get ahead of them and then just keep going in garbage time. So I'm taking the over at 222. It's at minus 110 odds. So we're looking at the Milwaukee Bucks money line and then the over Put 10 bucks in, you're going to win 1840 in that parlay. Once again, guys, head over to betonline.ag, get off the sidelines, get into the action, and use our promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Pilsy, back to the countdown we go. We are at pick number nine, and it's the lone defenseman. On today's list, coming in with an average rank of 8.9, the big Swedish defenseman who's third on Bob McKenzie's list, but no higher than eighth on any other. It's Simon Edvinson from Frölunda in the Swedish Hockey League. Yeah, I was very surprised to see him at third on Bob McKenzie's list. But again, that's Bob McKenzie thinking this guy is going to get picked at third or close to it rather than him saying this is the third best prospect in this draft pool. And you can see why right away though. Like this kid is an absolute beast, six foot five, 203 pounds, left shot defenseman playing in for Lunda. And he bounced around between the three Swedish leagues, which I feel like a lot of uh, Swedish players, Ross, this season did that, you know, like they had some time in the J 20, then you go to the Alsvenskan league, and then you go up to the SHL for a little taste So let's look at his stats in that regard. So the J 20 league, he had six points in 14 games. In the Allsvenskan League, he had five points in 14 games, so pretty consistent there. And then in 10 games with Frölunda in the SHL, he had one point in 10 games. So definitely you can see that this guy isn't, um, you know, he's not putting up massive points. There's a lot of defensive upside with him. And anytime you're six foot five, that reach just allows you to have good gap control. And then you put 203 pounds onto that as well. You're going to be able to impose big hits on players. So Definitely, I would say more of his strength comes from his defensive acumen than his offensive abilities. And not only that, I feel like you're drafting for the project of just knowing that he has the toolkit. Now, as a coaching staff, as a development staff, can you fill that toolkit with the appropriate tools to excel at the NHL level? Coming up in our mock draft at the end, on Thursday with Tony Ferrari, I mentioned there's no in-between, it seems, for him. He's either going to be Victor Hedman or Jared Cowan. Like you, you, you can see the makings of an elite defenseman, but the decision-making is like, oh, my God, sometimes. It's just throwing pizzas up the middle. However, it's easier to coach that out of somebody than coaching them to be able to have the range and mobility with the skating speed that Edvinson does have. Yeah, but here's the thing, Ross. Like, I I do agree that's something that can be coached out, but I feel like that's something that can be coached out if it's a minor problem. This is a major problem for Simon Edvinson. Like, Will Scouch said in one of the games he tracked, Edvinson had 38 pass attempts, which is insanely high like he said in all his tracking he's only had a player with 40 pass attempts in one game one time so it doesn't happen that you're passing the puck that often so you're thinking all right this guy passes the puck a lot he must be a good passer uh no of those 38 pass attempts only 23 were completed so 
that's so you're looking at 15 passes that just got turned over and you you've now just lost possession and the other team's coming the other way. And when you're a top pair defenseman and you're relied upon to be kind of, and I use this example all the time, the point guard who's starting the play from your own end and you're missing on almost half your passes. What's the point? You might as well just leave the puck there and let the other team get it. And then you can pressure them and try to turn it over yourself rather than turning it over and having them come the other way against you. So that's something I'm very, very nervous about because this is him just being like, oh, I've got the puck. I might as well try to make a pass instead of looking at other options or instead of sometimes and stats guys are going to hate this, but sometimes the best play is just chip it off the glass and go for a change. You don't have to make that amazing pass that starts to play if you got to feather it through three other opponents. So for me, Simon Edmondson, his decision-making really, really worries me. And I, I have this guy as, I don't want to say a do not draft for the Sens, but we mentioned it before. He's kind of the free spot on the bingo card for the Sens. Like, let some other team take the big left-shot defenseman who has poor decision-making because the Sens don't need a big defenseman on the left side. They don't need any left-side defenseman. And all their left-side defensemen are great puck movers. So I just think this is a guy who the Sens shouldn't even be looking at. I agree. I think that he's someone you let uh, Columbus, you let a team that's drafting ahead of you take. And if he is still on the board, you have to take serious pause and think, is this the right piece for when we're going to be a competitive team? Like I mentioned, outside of Bob McKenzie, like Craig Button had him at eight, Scouting had him at eight, EP Draft Guide at eight as well. And then Ferrari at 10, Wheeler 11, McKean's 11, and Prom in 12. So he is right in that range. I don't see him being a fit for Ottawa at all. I've got him at two stars, Pilsy. And honestly, I don't even really feel like we need to dive in that much deeper to this guy's game. I think when you say he's a free spot on the bingo card, I mean, you're, you're pretty much uh, throwing in the towel saying that he should not be on the Sens draft list. Yeah, I gave him two stars as well, Ross. And and you know what? Like, I don't want to be too hard on the kid. Like, like you said, there's some people that are high on him and he does have a lot of potential. So I think he could be a really good pick for teams that don't have the defensive prospects that the Sens have. Like if you're trying to boost your defensive prospect pool, that's a great place to start, but you got a project and you got a lot of work ahead of you. So for the Sens, they don't need to go this route. Yeah. He's a left shot defenseman as well. A position the Sens are pretty set at throughout their system. I know you don't draft for positional need, but when you look at the prospect pool that Ottawa has and all the other options that are on the board in this spot, it just is not a fit you know what is a fit this is my a choice coming in at number eight with a average ranking of 8.3 mason mctavish from olton in the swiss second tier peterborough in the ohl this guy much like jake sanderson last year and maurice Sider the year before as the year went on this guy just shot up draft boards he got better and better it culminated in a gold medal at the world under 18s where he was a leader on the team wore the c for a couple games when shane wright was hurt and oh man he put up points too this is just your straight line take it to the net competitive unbelievable shot like that's the full package this guy pilsy we talked about centerman who might not project there this guy's gonna play center at the nhl level yeah, he's definitely he's definitely got all the right tools to stay at center. We're talking about a guy that's six foot two, two hundred and seven pounds. So like compare that to Kent Johnson, Ross. Like Kent Johnson was six foot one, one sixty-five. Like just one more inch taller, but you got an extra like 40, 50 pounds on him. So we're and talking he uses it. Yeah, we're talking about size and strength that is ready for the pro leagues, that's for sure. And 
I want to start this off with saying, yeah, I love Mason McTavish too. And he's probably my number one guy as well. But the reason I, I'm a little more down on him is I don't see a world where he's available at number 10. So everything I'm saying is with the caveat that, yeah, it'd be great to see him in a sense uniform, but I don't think it's going to happen in the real world, but we can dream. So let's head over to dreamland and look at some of his stats he finished second in OHL rookie scoring with 42 points in 57 games. 29 of those points were goals. Like you said, great U18 tournament, 11 points in seven games. Just his powerful game is just able to, it allows him to do so many different things. Like he's able to protect the puck when he's bringing it into the zone. He's able to handle those cross checks to the back when he's standing out front with big defensemen trying to box him out and he's able to stick with the puck and bang rebounds home just like Brady Kachuk honestly very similar in that sense and he's a guy that I just see like he's not just an offensive player like his play away from the puck is really good too like he's always working on something he's not just hanging out waiting for the play to come back and then we talked about shooters and I referenced there's a guy later on in today's show that has an elite shot. Well, that's Mason McTavish as well. He is just able to beat goalies cleanly. But one thing I do find is his shot is a little heavier and it takes him a little more time to get off than guys like Chaz Lucius or Cole Sillinger. So that's one thing where he's going to need the time and space. But when you got the frame to create that time and space for yourself, doesn't seem to be a problem for Mason. Not at all. This is a guy who grew up in Switzerland as well. He's all worldly, just like two senators with Drake Batherson and Josh Norris, just like them. His dad played overseas when he was growing up from when he was a young boy up until the age of 10 in Swiss. And then the family retired back where he's from in Carp, Ontario. So grew up about 10 minutes away from the CTC. He went to off-season skates when he was 15 with the NHL guys around the Ottawa area. He trained with skills coach Pat Malloy, who's known for being a part of Claude Giroux and Eric Carlson's training regiment. And McTavish is just a guy, I've told this story a million times, but I just love it how at those skates, he would go toe-to-toe with guys like Claude Giroux and not back down. And he, it just shows his intensity and how much he cares to win. He wants every single game to be revolved around him and forcing the play. He's a guy who's going to go out there and make things happen. If you're down a goal going into the third period, he's a guy you want double shifting because he has the skill to put the puck in the net, but he's also going to wear teams down. So I think that he's not only the perfect pick for the Sens, but that the Senators love drafting players with his profile. So I'm hopeful that somehow, whether they have to trade up or whatnot, like this is a guy I would trade up for. I'm that high on Mason McTavish's upside. And I think the trajectory that you saw throughout the season is just going to continue much like it did with Sanderson and Sider. Yeah, I, I agree totally. And I think we talk about guys who, are they someone who is going to drive a line or be supporter on a line? This guy is going to drive a line. Like he, he, he reminds me of Brady Kachuk where like if you're on a line with him and you're not playing up to his pace and his energy, he'll drag you into the battle. He's going to say, hey, don't just be hanging out at the half wall waiting. Work for that puck in the corner. I'm doing it. I'm setting the example. If I'm doing it, why can't you be doing it? So definitely Mason McTavish is a guy that I would love for the sense to draft. And Ross, I think this might be the first time in our entire draft prospect uh, rankings that both of us have five stars for a player. Like this is this this is the guy. But again, I, I'm sad to say, but I don't think he's available. Ross, if he's available at where where do you start looking at the trade up? At pick seven? Yeah. I mean, 
I think the earliest he could go is five. I think Columbus, uh, they're talking internally about taking him. I don't know if I would give up the assets that would be required to trade up that high, but let's say they want Tampa's second rounder from next year. That's in play for sure. In my opinion, if you want to move up in this draft, now we've seen from 12 to 11, it took a third round pick when they got Logan Brown. So to go from 10 to five, you're not just going to be able to throw in a second rounder. So realistically, when it comes to the price that it would cost to acquire the the pick higher, um, I'd probably say, yeah, seven with San Jose, eight with LA right around that range. Yeah. I, I think basically in my mind, like the Mason McTavish conversation starts with Detroit. If Detroit doesn't take him, then you start thinking, okay, maybe we can make this happen because trading up to five would be a lot. I think this this would be the type of deal where you could sweeten the pot with Logan Brown, right? Like if a team was interested in Mason McTavish, you could say, well, we got a guy with more size. He's He's got some development under him. He's got the pedigree. This could be a guy that could replace McTavish if you were looking at him. And then you sweeten the pot with it as well. Obviously, that's not going to get it done on its own. But that's the <laughs> kind of that's the kind of deal you could start looking at if you want to trade up to get McTavish. But again, I think this is a draft where there's so much talent available in this range that unless you're absolutely crazy about him and you think the deal is is worth it value-wise, then I would just stay stand pad at 10 because you can get another amazing player. But yeah, Mason McTavish in the Sens uniform, five stars out of me. That would be awesome. Yeah, tied for fourth on Bob McKenzie's ranking. He's fifth on the Elite Prospects draft guide, seventh with McKean's, eighth with Tony Ferrari, and ninth with Pronman, 10th on both Craig Button and Scott Wheeler's list and scouting has him down at 13th. He is just your power forward. I would just absolutely love for this left shot center to be a part of the Ottawa Senators. Pilsy, those were four great names, well, three. And I mean, somebody's going to be happy with Edvinson, but I hope it's not the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators Twitter account, though, did just put out saying, here's a closer look at some of the prospects who could be available at 10. Here are the four photos they use. Now we're getting into real um, detective work. But they use Brant Clark, Carson Lambos, Mason McTavish, and Brennan Othman for the four pictures on that. So, hmm, we'll uh, revisit that maybe next week after the draft and see if they were throwing a little hint at us of who they are going to take. But, Pilsy, we're getting ever so close. Just to recap, and if you missed yesterday's show, the way we're going to do this going forward, we have seven prospects left. But as we kind of mentioned with McTavish, although he is choice number one, and there is a little chance that he's on the board at 10, we're going to just hit all of tomorrow's top seven. It's going to be a jam-packed show. If you need to split it up into two parts, that's cool because Thursday's show is also going to be a monster. And then that can carry you through Friday because Friday's show will be out late at night after the draft. Yeah, I'm so fired up for that. And uh, obviously, we're leading up to the draft. You're getting closer and closer. But Ross, I think we got a little extra time today. I think we should at least touch on some of the trades that happened that uh, we breezed over the other day because there were some massive moves. And just just first off, this is not the biggest trade, but I just thought this was hilarious because I don't think I've ever seen this. How about that trade between the New York Islanders and the Arizona Coyotes where the uh, Arizona Coyotes, they they received draft picks and Andrew Ladd for nothing in return to the Islanders. I don't think I've seen that in my entire life. Like usually it's like the, the nothing pick is a conditional seventh rounder where it's basically nothing, but just to straight up be like, nah, like if you take lad, we'll give you these draft picks and you don't have to send anything back our way. I, I've never seen that. Have you? 
No, never. But it makes sense. I mean, they got to clear off a pretty disgusting contract off their books, and that gives Lou some some more to play around with. So I think it works out well for the Islanders, even though on paper it's kind of a laugher. Yeah, just a strange one. And then I think obviously the biggest trade was the three-way trade between the Flyers, uh, Golden Knights, and Nashville. Like, there's some massive pieces being moved here. Ryan Ellis, Nolan Patrick, and Cody Glass. Like, man, that must have been – I would have loved to be a fly on the wall for that trade conversation because that must have taken quite a while to hammer out. David Poyle loves his three-way trades, eh? Going back to the the Duchesne trade, uh, he he flipped – Nolan Patrick right after acquiring him for Ryan Ellis over to Vegas and him and Cody glass, those two guys, they have super high upside, but neither has really found their way. So hopefully the, the fresh scenery can be good for them. And with Nashville, it just came down to expansion and even still they protected five defensemen. It really made not much sense to me. And that was without Ryan Ellis being a part of it. So I don't know what Nashville's doing, man. I really have no clue. So um, that being said, they got rid of a contract. So I guess there's that. Yeah, and I mean, I think Nashville wanted to expose some of their terrible contracts too, like Johansson and Duchesne both exposed. So those -hmm. are some big names coming off the book. But yeah, and one more thing to add, now with Vegas Golden Knights trading Cody Glass, they have traded all three of their first round selections from their very first draft. Bold, bold move for an expansion team. But hey, you got to think it's working out pretty good for them so far. Certainly is, and we'll find out about Seattle on Wednesday they obviously get second overall in this draft and we'll find out which if any more picks they acquire throughout the trade process if you take this guy we'll give you that that sort of thing and on tomorrow's show we'll get to those draft rankings and on Thursday not only will we have the mock draft with Tony Ferrari where we also do picks one through 16 but 39 42 and 74 for the Ottawa Senators, but we'll also react to the Seattle Kraken's inaugural roster. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.